Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies here with you once again for our teaching in the Word of God. If you're joining us for the very first time, we just want to welcome you to the Raven Institute. The Raven Institute is an online ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more uh, information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International, Deb will put up our uh, web address right there on the screen, www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com. And you can go to our website and get some uh, additional information on uh, really what we're all about. And really what it comes down to, Raven is an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations. And that's really sums up our uh, the, the the responsibility and the, the desire of our heart is to restore the vision for the Word of God and for the Great Commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to actually go out and do it. There's a lot of talk that's being done in the kingdom, but not a lot of work. And you know, the Word of God says that that He's praying for harvesters to go out into the harvest fields because they're ready and, and ripe, but the laborers are so few. And so, hopefully, what we can do is to help equip you as a harvester for the kingdom of God. We we believe that this is an hour which uh, uh, which uh, God has ordained for us to go and win people to him. And so that's what we're here for, to hopefully ignite the passion and the flame of revival and in your heart and life to go out and actually be not just a hearer but a doer of the word. And so uh, we thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'd like to know about you. If, you have, if there's things that you do, in your area of the country that uh, we can stand with you in prayer for and believe in God or even get in, involved with you. You can go to our website and you can find out that we are we have teams scattered throughout the United States and into in Canada. So if you have an outreach that you're doing and we could lend some support in any way possible, whether it's just prayer or actually sending a team in, we would love to do that. Also, uh, we'd like to hear your testimonies, uh, what God is doing, and it just encourages us to see the God moving in people's lives as well. And so if you have any questions, comments, or if you want to contact us, Right there on the screen is our uh, uh, my email address. It's Raven R A V E N at BigGrace.com. Raven at BigGrace.com. We'd love to know exactly what you're doing, and you can find out other contact information on our website too. If you have prayer requests, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. We believe that God is still in the miracle working business. That God has not changed. That God is not dead. That He is alive and He is seated upon a throne in glory, and He is desiring to hear from us as we seek His face. And that, that he is not limited in his ability to touch and to change lives. He is only limited by our willingness to seek him and ask in his name. He said we don't have, we do not have because we do not ask. And so we wanted to seek the Lord for the, the souls of, of maybe your friends or family or people that you know, uh, for your healing, for your restoration, whatever it might be. We want to stand with you in agreement for prayer. So don't forget to send those prayer requests in at pray, P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. And we lift those up with our team of international intercessors on a regular basis. And so we, we love you and we want to know what's, what God is doing in your life and how we can uh, uh, be of strength and of encouragement to you in that. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer today, just asking to bless this time of, of, of studying the Word of God as we're here in, the, in Romans chapter 9. And we just want to welcome all of you that have joined us. Uh, uh, it's always good to have Keith and Pastor Meredith right there from uh, Fairfield, Texas, and Mom and Dad, and Pastor Don and Robin Dykes there in, in Amarillo, and Rick there in Colorado, and Shane, and uh, and Cindy and our, our regular crew here and, and for those that uh, join us from uh, foreign countries as well we have so many foreign pastors that are with us and uh, that are such precious and dear to us so we thank you for being with us and we pray for you and just ask that God would strengthen you and encourage you in your faith as uh, as you get into God's word and allow the word of God to speak and move through you so we thank all of you that, that join us and for those of you that have been listening to this on a delayed uh, basis uh, that we're in class 120. 
127 today. Can you believe it? 127 hours of expository teaching in the book of Romans. And we're just getting rolling. You know, we're, we're, we're more than midway through, uh, theoretically, but, uh, we've got so much more to, to give. And so, but those classes are available and Deb has put that on here. Raven is, institute.blogspot.com or even you can get the daily classes at ravenoutreach.blogspot.com for a free download. So those things are available to you. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord God, and we just thank you, Lord God, for the, the, the glory of your name. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that and I praise you not for what you do, but just because of who you are, Lord Jesus. I, I, I just thank you for who you are to me, Lord God, and what that means. And Lord, if you if you never uh, lifted a finger, Lord God, to do anything else on my my, my behalf, uh, you, you did more, Lord God, than lift a finger for me when you lifted up your Son and allowed Him to to die upon a cross for me two thousand years ago, Lord God. So today I, I come as a person, Lord God, that is just so uh, immensely grateful, Lord God, to you, Lord God. And for for your son Jesus, and so Father, we as we come to to really this table of your word, as we come to the throne room of grace and mercy, Lord God, looking to obtain the help that we need, Lord God, we we are just grateful. We're a grateful people, Lord Jesus. We're not shaking our fist at heaven, Lord God, or or pleading with you because of our plight, Lord God. We are just thankful, Lord God, of because of who you are, Lord Jesus, that that, that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're that Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. You're our kinsman redeemer, Lord God. You're our friend that sticks closer than a brother, Lord God. You are, you are hope and our consolation, Lord God. You are you are our, our, our peace that passes understanding, Lord God. You are the the line of the tribe of Judah, Lord God. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we we thank you, Lord God, for who you are, and, and the heavens declare your glory. We thank you who you are, Lord God, as our Savior, as our as our friend, as our hope, Lord God, in the midst of trials and tribulations, Lord God. So we thank you, Lord God, for who you are, and Lord God, who you are is is, is greater than even than than what what we want you to do for us and in us on a daily basis, Lord God. It transcends all things. You are the self-existing one. You are you are sovereign and you are holy and you are righteous and you are good. And we thank you for that, Lord God, that you do not change. That Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we come seeking, Lord God, the, the one that is immovable, Lord God, the one that is unquestionable, uh, Lord God. We, we come seeking your face, Lord God. We come seeking to know you in a greater dimension. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in, in Christ, Lord Jesus. I know, Lord God, that the, the Word tells us that the carnal man, Lord God, cannot even receive those things that are that are only comprehended spiritually. And so, Lord God, we don't want to come carnally. We don't want to come in the strength of our own might. We don't want to come in the in the power of our own understanding or comprehension. But we need desperately, Lord God, the Spirit of promise to come and to, to lead and guide us into all truth. I, I need, Lord God, as a teacher of the Word of God, I am completely and desperately, Lord God, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to, to, to quicken my understanding, Lord God, and to allow me to, 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 to articulate and to communicate your word, Lord God, effectively, Lord God, to your people. And so today, Lord God, we come with complete dependence, Lord God, and a reliance upon the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that he is here today, that we don't have to conjure him up, we don't have to create some uh, spiritual or religious ambiance, that he is here, Lord God. He is, he is here and he is evidence, Lord God, and we just ask for his power to be made known and made manifest, Lord Jesus. Those that struggle with, with just knowing and retaining your word or agreeing to 
comprehension. Father, I just pray, Lord God, for a supernatural anointing, Lord God, to come upon them right now. We just ask for a, a release of your spirit, Lord God. We just ask that you would touch minds and hearts, Lord God, that you would just cause the comforter, Lord God, to do just exactly what his name says, to comfort, Lord God, comfort those that struggle, comfort those that mourn, Lord God, to bring us to a place, Lord God, where our minds are being renewed day by day, Lord God, through the washing and the regeneration of your word. And we thank you for it, Lord God. Father, I pray for those that are sick in body, those that have been afflicted, Lord God, those that have been infirm, Lord God, whether it's just a a cold, Lord God, or sinuses, or allergies, Lord God, or, or something, Lord God, that is attacking them, Father, in their respiratory system or their circulatory system, whatever it may be, Lord God, we, we pray for those. And I, I thank you, Lord God, for the testimony even that I got from Shane yesterday concerning, uh, Lord God, her brother-in-law, that, that Paul that we've been praying for, that he went in with all these uh, these, these thoughts that they, they thought something severe and even potentially life-threatening was upon him. And they said all the signs point to that, Lord God. But I thank you that, that the signs that, that we seek, Lord God, are not the signs that the world seeks. And Father, we, 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 we seek one sign, Lord God, and that is Christ Jesus uh, died and crucified, Lord God, and, and raised from the dead. And I thank you, Lord God, that that, Lord God, is the testimony of Paul, that, that Paul uh, uh, Allen's life there in Amarillo, Texas, who, who, who got a, a clean checkup, Lord God, on some, some certain tests that they were doing to him, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Lord God, that the, the remainder of those, Lord God, would be just as equally positive, Lord God, in, in declaring your, your majesty and your mercy for he, Lord God, and for his wife, Shy, Lord God, as they're going through some medical issues. Father, I thank you, Lord God, it's because of the blood of Jesus. I thank you because of it's the faithfulness of the, the saints of God to stand in agreement, Lord God, for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord God, for that testimony, Lord God, of him who we've been praying for, Lord God, throughout the, the last week and during our time of prayer and fasting. We thank you, Lord God, that you're faithful in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Now be with us, Lord God. Lead us, guide us, teach us, Lord God. Show us, Lord God, and compel us, Lord God, to go out to compel them to come that your house may be filled. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Just a kind of a bit of a... Amen. I thought Dan was asking a question. Praise God for that. Uh, just a, a little bit of an invitation. Don't forget that in about, what is it, less than three weeks... Two and a half weeks, uh, our Raven teams are actually going to be converging on the city of New Orleans for a special uh, outreach that we've been doing every year for the last, I guess, 12 years, since 1996, uh, our, our Raven outreach to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And this really want to invite you to come. And uh, those that can't come physically, we'd certainly uh, appreciate your uh, your prayers and your encouragement in that, and, and that is actually February 1st through the 5th, right there in New Orleans. And we just, we'd, we'd really love you to be there, uh, because we need boots on the ground. That, that city is such a city under siege, but it's a city with, with such a tremendous opportunity to, to see people come into the kingdom. We see hundreds and hundreds of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ every year that we're there. And so we have people coming from, from all across the United States and Canada and elsewhere probably that are going to be joining our team and we would love you to be a part of that. So you can get more information on that outreach coming up in about two and a half weeks by going to our website www.biggrace.com and clicking on Mardi Gras. There's no longer a registration fee on that. Our teams are, are working diligently to uh, offset the, the cost of that. And because we, we, we would rather you be there than your money be there. Do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, are the, the resources and finances necessary? Yeah, but I, I'm just of the opinion that, that, that the Word of God is true. And he said that he'll meet all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I don't fret or worry about those things. I just put those things out there and trust the Lord Jesus to, to take care of that. So we need you on the ground. If you get there, all you got to do is get there. And uh, we'll have all the meals for you, a place to stay, and uh, tracks and Bibles, and, and a tremendous opportunity to go out and not 
not just to impact somebody for those four or five days that you'd be there, but literally to change and impact people's eternity. And that's the way I look at it. And so, as I said here today, as the book of Acts talked about, Paul said there was a vision that came to him by night, and he saw a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And he said when he heard that, he perceived that he was being called to come over and to preach the gospel. And so I said here is the man from Macedonia. I said here is the voice crying out from the city of New Orleans to, to come over and help us to preach the gospel, that the harvest indeed is plenteous, but the laborers are few, and we need you in those harvest fields. Amen, amen, and amen. Folks, the, the, the book of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. He says that we have received a uh, more excellent ministry and by how much also Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Don't you, aren't you glad that we have a better covenant and better promises? You know, God's promises are always yes and amen. God's promises are faithful and true, and, and He is not slack concerning His promises. We know what the Word of God says. And, but we've been given even a better covenant and a, and, and a better promises. And I, I thank God that, that, that everything about Jesus, I know on a personal level, gets better every single day. That, that, there, that, that his, his love, but his joy gets better every day. That the, the Jesus that so gloriously saved me 23 years ago is, is better today. And as glorious as he was, and as fresh and as good, that it gets, the more that I know him, the better that it gets. The, the, the longer I walk with him, the, the better it is. The, the more I trust him, the better it is. The more I get into God's word, the, the better it is. And so, folks, we've been given that more excellent, that, that, more, that, that, that better covenant, that, that, that better promise. And the seventh verse, right there of Hebrews 8, says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then uh, should no place have been sought for the second. And so, folks, aren't you glad that God is so meticulous in keeping His promises towards us, and really so relentless in His pursuit of reconciling man to Himself, and, and, and that, that He continues to just extend that mercy. And what is amazing is, as you study the Word of God, and just how unyielding, really, that it is in its efforts to rescue us from the grip of our adversary. And aren't you glad that God is unyielding? That He will pursue you. He is, he is dedicated in His pursuit. He is unyielding. He's meticulous. He's, he's relentless and his, his pursuit of each and every one of us. And even as we saw that, and we talked about it yesterday in regards to Paul's uh, address here to the, the, the Jewish question of, of uh, in Hebrew, excuse me, of, of Romans uh, chapters 9, 10, and 11, that you just see the, the meticulous nature in which he, he has done that. And we've seen that really through, the, through our study in the book of Romans as we, we've looked in how uh, Paul the Apostle utilizes these, these means to show us that really it's the whole conglomerate of the Word of God, this, this, uh, uh, this, this Word that he has entrusted, this, this Word of reconciliation, Reconciliation just bridges time and it bridges space, it bridges cultures, it bridges continents, it bridges all of these things to, to, to pursue us to that place and to, to, to bring us to that place of, of knowing God in an intimate way. And so I, I'm just so blessed by that and it's just amazing that, that He is unyielding in His desire to just snatch us from the, the jaws of the adversary. And folks, listen, even when we fail to meet our end of the obligation uh, of the covenant that He's made with us, there is this, this persistent cry of mercy coming forth from his throne room. And you know, each and every one of us, I know I sit here uh, guilty as charged, that there's been times that I've, I've failed to meet my end of the obligation. But when even though I'm, I failed to meet my end of the obligation, 
there's this, this persistency on, on, on the part of the, the Spirit of God, on the part of the Lord Jesus Christ, in His desire to just bring mercy, to bring grace, to bring, by every means, it's, it's you know, we talk about something beyond, uh, beyond and above the call of duty. You know, God doesn't owe us anything. God is holy and righteous. And, if, and you know what? If, if, there was, if not one single individual uh, uh, made it to heaven, God would still be holy and righteous because His holy and righteousness is, is not dependent upon on, on the reward of, of, of us somehow uh, filling the corridors of heaven. His holiness and righteousness is something that has been perpetuated uh, timeless in, in infinity and in eternity in, in all directions. And so God is so merciful, so so resistant, uh, 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 resilient and just continuing to come after us and continue to seek us out. And so, folks, even though Hebrews 10.27 tells us that if we reject the, this call to repentance, then there awaits for us. It says there awaits for us in Hebrews 10.27 a certain fearful looking for judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour his adversaries. But, folks, listen, even though we know that that's the, the consequence of rejecting this, this relentless pursuit that he has for us, until then, and don't, don't you love it? It's, it? There's an until then. Even though I know that those people that I love and those people that I witness to, that if they don't repent, they'll, 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 they'll perish and they'll spend eternity in torments totally separated from God. But until then, there is mercy. Until then, there's an opportunity. Even for that person that is involved in all types of wickedness, that person that's involved in, in witchcraft, that person that's involved in, in some type of other the occult, or that person that's a, in, a sexual predator. You know what? The, the, right now, that they're, they're, they're on a beeline for death, hell, and destruction. But until then... There is still mercy for the liar, for the thief, for the corrupt, for the extortioner, for the for the for the unforgiving. You know what there is right now. They they are seated under judgment, but until then, until they're, they're, they come to that place, there is this pursuit that God is making towards us. And I, and I really want to encourage you in that. You know what? There's there's maybe things that you're struggling with, and, and God's going to bring the victory because He is so resistant, resilient, and and persistent in, in all that He seeks to do in your life. And but folks, really, I, I got to say this: uh, there there is that 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 that. that that edict that comes down. There's that verdict that's going to come down one day and bring uh, destruction. But to reject and to reject literally the pursuit of this better covenant in this more excellent way is to really reject the single greatest act of love and the single greatest demonstration of the unselfishness that, that history will ever be able to record. That's really what it comes down to. If I reject the, the testimony of Jesus, if you're out witnessing to someone or sharing your faith with, with someone that you know, whatever it may be, they're not rejecting you. What they're effectively doing is they're rejecting the single greatest act of love and mercy that anyone could ever know. And so, and so I think really for me it helps even when I preach the gospel to, to preach the gospel with that type of mentality. Lord God, I am bringing to them the very, the very greatest gift. Let me ask you a question. If I had asked you today to, uh, to just go into a neighborhood that you did not, uh, were, were not familiar with or, or go into a shopping mall that, uh, that was just teeming with, with people, with complete strangers, and I told you to just walk up to them and immediately just begin to share the gospel with them. Some of you undoubtedly would, would do that. Uh, some of you undoubtedly would probably have some resistance uh, in your flesh to do that. Some of you may eventually do it, but you would feel like you had to get built up for it. 
And so, because the reason I know this is because I've you know been on the streets many times, taking many people, and and it's difficult sometimes to just walk up to somebody and, sh- and share the faith. But what if I handed you a satchel full of a million dollars and I said, "Listen, I want you to divide this million dollars uh, ten ways into a hundred thousand uh, dollars bundles, and I want you to just walk up to people on the street and I want you to present to them that that hundred thousand dollars and see what their response is going to be." You know what? You you would have no fear of rejection whatsoever. Why? Because there would be perceived value in what you shared. And you know every single one of us. If I if I even lowered it to a thousand dollars, I took a hundred thousand dollars and I told you to go and do this to a to a hundred people, give them a thousand dollars. You know what? You would be all over that shopping mall. You'd be looking for people and you'd be stopping people right and left. Hey come here, come here, I got something for you. You know why? Because you would be you would have an expectancy. There would be an inherent expectancy based on perceived value. You would say, listen, I've got something that is so valuable, there is no way they're going to reject it. Folks, let me ask you a question. Why don't we perceive the value of the gospel in the same way? Why do we expect people to reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when we, when we preach it? Maybe it's because we don't put the value on it that the Word of God has put, put, has put on it. Have you ever thought about that just for a minute? And folks, so my prayer for myself and for, for you is that once again we would see this, this great, the better covenant. We would see the, the better promises. We would see the relentless pursuit and the persistent cry of mercy that He has for us. And that when we go and share our faith with someone, we'd go with the full expectancy that it's better than a thousand dollars. It's better than a million dollars. It's better than anything else that we could offer them. Because why? They're going to get that out of our urgency. They're going to get that expectancy out of what we say. And so if we go... Now, if I walked up to someone and I said, Hey, do you want this $100? And, you know, hey, do you want this $100? You know what they'd begin to think? They'd say, Oh, what's he trying to do? Offer me something with a catch to it? Or they offer me something counterfeit? Folks, listen. Sometimes I believe why the world rejects Christianity is because Christianity is, is trying to be passed off as counterfeit Christianity. It's a counterfeit covenant. We've got to come back to that place where we're preaching the gospel with this reckless abandon, with this urgency and this expectancy that, that we come and we, we present it as something greater than a, than, than a lottery ticket. We present it as something greater than a, than a bundle of cash or, or some type of a, a financial uh, 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 windfall. And so, because we have something so much Better And so, literally, to reject that pursuit is to reject the, the greatest demonstration of, the, of, of God's love and God's mercy that anyone ever can build. And folks, really, that is why the penalty uh, to those who have not been born again is so terrible, which is obviously eternal damnation in the lake of fire. It, it's so terrible, the consequence is because the price paid to deliver them from the grip is eternal in Christ Jesus. And so the, the, the price... Uh, for salvation is eternal, so the consequence of rejecting it must be equal to the price. And so, you know, the, the time will obviously uh, have to fit the crime. And I hear people say it's just unfair. Well, there was nothing fair about what we or our sins did to Jesus. There was nothing fair. There, there was no justification. There was nothing that could ever say, you know what, there, there was anything right about that. There was anything that could be, that could be justified in, in the, the handling of, of, the, of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But He did that to stand in the gap for us and, and, to, and to, 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 to be the Redeemer, kinsman of all mankind. And so, as one studies the Word of God and comes literally to a, really a, what I call just a revelatory understanding of just how much the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords loves us, then one should truly gain the obedience-producing revelation of His love. And if you've got a real handle on the love of God, it ought to be an obedience-producing revelation. Not just a head knowledge, not just a vain philosophy, but it ought to be something that stirs us to be obedient, 
to everything that he has. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, "There's great care of this life. The great or the great care of this life is to put the relationship to God first and everything else second." And so, you know, as, as, as many people have been taught in churches, you know, there's this, this pecking order, there's this, these, uh, uh, these, uh, priorities that you have to set. You know, it's, it's, it's God, it's your wife, it's your children, it's your men, then it's your ministry. Folks, listen, that, that's not even in the scripture. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then He'll take care of all the rest. And so, if we put the, the great care in our life is just to, 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 to build and grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have a great marriage. You're going to raise great, uh, a great family. You're going to be diligent in all the things that God has called you to do. Why? Because you're, you're putting the first thing first and God's going to take care of the rest. And so, folks, really, the great care is, is demonstrated by the great passion for His presence that we have. Our, our great care should be demonstrated by our great diligence in seeking His face. And if we're really putting a great care, that great care ought to be uh, uh, in our great obedience to following His uh, uh, directives, in our great uh, de- commitment to imitating His example, in our great determination in doing His will. And so, with a great... Uh, 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 Care if we're really putting it on our relationship with Him, it ought to be greatly demonstrated in all these areas of our life. And Andrew Murray put it this way: He said, "God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to Him." So, if you want God to take the responsibility, you've got to have a life that is holy and completely dedicated to Him. And God's going to be faithful in that. And so, folks, really, I say that because in this ninth chapter of Romans, it's it's really a great lesson. And the great lesson that we can really derive from it is this. Uh, uh, in, 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 inexorable, as I guess I could put it, if you understand what that means. It's something that, that is unrelenting in its pursuit that God has made towards His people of all ages and specifically how He will continue to, to revisit those who He has extended the benefits of His covenants. And we're specifically talking in this ninth chapter about the, uh, uh, the Jews or Israel. And so, uh, Romans uh, 9, 1 through 5, and, and we covered this yesterday, but I want to read it in its entirety. It says, I say the truth in Christ, and I do not lie, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit. For I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, according uh, or to who to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and whose concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. And folks, listen, we see how the Paul the Apostle literally grieved over the plight of his kinsmen. Even to the point of offering to, to up the cry of his heart saying, you know what, if I could just offer my very heart and soul as a means for you to come to Christ, I'd be willing to do just that. And, and folks, obviously that's, that's a moot point because there's already been one that has done just that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet it... Paul's passionate desire to, to see his kindred come to the knowledge of Christ should serve as a testimony for each and every one of us. And it's not only just a testimony, but it's an example as to how we should love and pursue our fellow men in regards to bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if you think about it, while we cannot give ourselves up as a ransom in place of those who are kindred who do not do Jesus, we are called to lay our lives down in our testimony and lay our lives down in our preaching of the gospel in order to bring people to Christ. And so we can do that. And that's really a type of giving your life for someone. You're, you're giving your fears. You're, you're giving your traditions. You're, you're giving your, 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 uh, your inhibitions. You're giving all these things to Him and you're having to lay down your life. Anytime you go to speak to somebody that maybe you feel uncomfortable speaking, 
speaking to. It's, maybe it's out of, we use the terminology, comfort zone. Really, you're having to lay down your life because your life is all those things that dictate how you would respond in the natural. And folks, listen, we can't continue to walk in the natural with the expectancy of reaping the benefits of the supernatural. Our witness, our testimony, our prayer life, our, our, our dedication to, 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 to reaping the harvest has got to be birthed out of something more than our natural man. It's got to be birthed out of the supernatural uh, experience and transformation that came upon each and every one of us when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's, it's a type of giving our life because of the difficulty sometimes that we face, especially in regards to those that, that, that we're most familiar with or those who are most familiar with us. And you know, I think about this. Go to Matthew 13 for just a second. Matthew 13, verses 54 through 58. Matthew 13, 54 through 58. Now, it's a reminder of this. And uh, here's what it says in verse 54 of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. It says, when he was come, speaking of Jesus, came to his own country. Okay, where did he come? His own country. Did he go to a foreign city? Did he go to where people didn't know him? Did he he go where people didn't have a history on him? No. He said he went to his own country and he taught them in their synagogue. So I like how he puts that. He went to his own country, his own people, the familiarity, and he went to their synagogue. So it was another familiar place to them. Insomuch that they were astonished and said, Where has this man's wisdom come from in these mighty works? Then look at verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Now they were astonished in in verse 54. Now they're questioning him in verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother? uh, It's not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and and, and Joses and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not also with us? He says, Where then has this man come to know all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Or those who are the most familiar with him. And it says as a result of that in verse 58, that he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Not because of his lack of power, because this is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But uh, the, the, the miracles were uh, were predicated upon the faith of those that were supposedly the, to be the recipients of those. And folks, let me say this. Because your family or your kindred really always desire to see you kind of encapsulated in a particular window of time, it's, it's, so oftentimes it's quite difficult for them to separate the message from the man, if I could put it that way. You know, they want to encapsulate you. They want to remember the time when you were 13 years old and being rebellious. They want to remember the time that you were backslidden at, at 25. They don't, they don't want to think about the years that you've been dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you've sought Him, you've preached the gospel, you've shared your faith. They don't want to remember those times because those times put the responsibility on them to hear. So they would much rather focus on that encapsulated window of time regarding the man than this timeless message of the Word of God. And so when the message deals with their hearts, it's easy for them to retreat back, literally, and, and, to, to, and, and, to, and to cower in the past uh, of those shared experiences that you may have with them rather than to receive the admonition that is coming through the person as the voice of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so many times what they want to do, brothers, sisters, fathers, cousins, whatever it might be, they won't want to listen to that. They'd rather encapsulate that because they think somehow if they remember your failures or your shortcomings, it'll diminish the the requirement of them to hear and obey the word of truth that's being shared to them. Folks, listen, this happened in Jesus' ministry, and he always set the perfect example. Now think about for us that that haven't always set the perfect example. It happened to Jesus even though His example, His testimony, everything about Him was perfect from day one. 
There was never a moment they could point to and say, well, remember when he rebelled against his mother and father? Remember when he said this bad thing? Remember when, when, when he cursed? Remember when he blasted? They never could say anything about him like that. And still yet, they wanted to throw that. Aren't you just uh, the, uh, the, the carpenter's son? Is, is not his mother Mary? Is this not it? And, and so they, they couldn't do that. They couldn't say that about him. But we, we, uh, they, they couldn't remember the bad things. And notice they didn't say of him, well, we remember the bad things that you do, but rather they rejected him because of what they saw as a common origin and that he lived and dwelt among them, but, but now was preaching a message which originated not in the commonality of their family, not in the commonality of their, their shared experiences, but rather he began to bring a message that originated in heaven and offered the covenant promise of shared opportunity now. Not of shared experiences, but of shared opportunity for whosoever will. And folks, I believe that you'll, you'll find that same thing happen to you. So you've got to be persistent. You've got to be relentless even in the pursuit of your family. Even in the pursuit of those that you're most familiar with and those that are most familiar with you. You've got to, you've got to allow the testimony of Jesus. You've got to now, uh, 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 now uh, allow the, the testimony of a shared promise to, to, and a shared opportunity to overcome shared experiences or shared traditions or, or shared family or shared names or whatever it may be that you share that, that causes the, the doubt and the unbelief or the, the gives people the ability to kind of look somewhere else. You've got to be able to overcome those things through a persistent diligence. And, I, and I've seen that happen with myself. I've seen it happen with my family. I've seen it happen with cousins and relatives, whoever it is. I've seen it happen with, 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 with my wife's family. The whole nine years, you'll, you'll constantly see those type of things where they want to encapsulate you in your past and look to something like that. Folks, listen, we've, we've been built upon a firm foundation, which is Christ Jesus. And if we're going to believe what the Word says, that, that we're in Christ, we're brand new, we can't be held accountable to, 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 to last year's passport, so to speak. We know that we've been stamped and our, our destination is heaven. And so we're going to speak out of this Word that's going to be birthed out of an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, a shared experience in a shared covenant which he has extended to us. And so, folks, this is what Paul faced uh, in his desire to see the Jews apprehended, if I can use that terminology, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they remembered when he was just uh, zealous in his desire to persecute Christians. They remembered that. Instead of promoting Christianity, he was uh, persecuted. He was, he was once numbered with those who openly rejected the new covenant. And now he represents probably the most vocal voice of this new uh, covenant in support and proclamation of, of what God was offering. And so there's, they, they might have seen it originally kind of as this paradox. Who is this guy? You know what? He was the one that was wanting to kill. We were just, we were tolerating, we were ignoring them. But he's the one who zealously stirred up this, this opposition. Now, boom, we see this individual. And some of you were that individual. Some of you were not unlike Paul. That you were the blasphemer. You were the one that had vile communication. You were the one that was the ultimate partier. You're the one that didn't want anybody sharing with you. You were the one that would tear up uh, Bible tracts in front of people's faces and, and threaten them. And that was you at one time. Now here you are is that one that loves Jesus. That one that has been that has been transformed as a result. Now you are transfixed on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Folks, listen, you had to go through exactly, or you're going through exactly what Paul the Apostle faced right here. But needless to say, we know that his task was very daunting. Yet he maintained his diligence in its pursuit. So we, 
should also maintain that. And he says in 1 Corinthians 11 1, he says, Be followers or imitators of me, even as I am a follower of Christ Jesus. And so we, we got to follow that example of 1 Corinthians 11 1, of being diligent in that pursuit, even though we're met with the, the obstacle of familiarity. And sometimes, folks, I think our, our biggest challenge is memory. It's remembering our experiences, remembering the familiarity, then allowing, rather than allowing our, our thoughts and our message to transcend all the, that commonality of the, of, of, of the curse and bring them to the commonality of the covenant. So, folks, just as Jesus came as that kinsman redeemer, uh, you know what? We've got to seek to, to, to imitate his example and to implore us to earnestly contend with our flesh in doing that exact same thing. And that's who you have to contend with. You have to contend with the fears of the flesh. You've got to contend with all those, those things that would rise up and try to keep us from sharing that word uh, with, our, with those that are close to us with the same type of diligence and uh, urgency as we would share it with a stranger. So that is what the first five verses of Roman were trying to convey to us. But now we're brought to uh, uh, verse 6. And it's a, it's a, it, verse 6 is probably a verse that has raised some very, very important issues. And I want to read verse 6 to you. It says, uh, he, he shares that and he says, Not as though the word of God has, has, has taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are Israel. And so I want to take that first little phrase. He says, not as though the word of God has taken none effect. And what that means is that the word of God has not become powerless or obsolete in its effectiveness. And what Paul is saying is just because Israel failed in keeping up their end of the bargain, or their end of the covenant in this case, it does not in any way dilute or diminish the power of the Word of God. Folks, listen. Your obedience to the Word of God, your adherence to the principles of the Word of God, does not change the Word of God. And that's something I had to grab a hold of years ago. I can look in the Word of God and see what He's told me to do. I can see the, 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 the instruction that He's given me. And you know what? What I see and what I perceive, my opinion does not change this. I know in my heart one day I'm going to stand and I'm going to give an account uh, based upon what is taught in this Word. Now, I'm going to be based upon it, uh, uh, what's taught in this Word by either one of two ways. Either by knowing it and following it or ignoring it and not following it. Do you hear me? But regardless, if I, if I know it or not... I'm still going to have to give an account for that word. Folks, that's why it's so important to, to know your word. That's so important to know what he's saying. You know, I meet people all the time that, that claim to be Christians, claim to know God, claim to be followers of Jesus, claim to be saved, claim to be born again, claim to have been baptized, whatever uh, terminology that you want to use. But regardless of their nomenclature, regardless of what they want to put to it, 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 con- it has to come down to, the, the, to whether or not that, that the word of God is alive to them. I've met so many people that have claimed to be teachers and instructors in their church churches. But when I call them out and I say, can you just quote for me your favorite Bible passage? And they're, they're dumbstruck. They don't even know any of the Bible. They don't know anything. And they'll, they'll paraphrase something they saw on a, on a Hallmark greeting card that's not out of the Bible. It's just out of somebody's book of poetry or something like that. Folks, listen, that is the sad commentary on the modern church. We've got to come back to the place where we've got such an adherence to the Word of God. You know, you can get people that walk into some place and they'll hear an old tune from maybe when they grew up in the 80s. Immediately they know the lyrics to it. But you ask them the same thing about a passage of Scripture that they grow up listening to. They couldn't tell you that. Isn't it interesting how we, we're, we're, we're willing to trap the, the seducing lyrics of a song into our hearts and minds, but we're not willing to trap the, 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 the transforming power of the, the, of the Word of God in our lives in, in the same way? And so the Word of God is exactly, folks, what it is. It's the Word of God. And so what is the Word of God? It's the Word of God. And so, folks, we call it the Bible or the book 
it, because it contains these 66 sub-books that make up our canon of Scripture and serve as really the basis of our faith. But the reason that the Word of God is what it is and can do what it does is because it's not simply a collection of religious writings. That's not what it is. It is the, 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 that theonoustos, as we, we, we refer to it. It's, the, it's that God-breathed, and as a result of being God-breathed, it's also God-empowered. And so the Word of God is God-breathed. It's God-empowered. Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, and I've quoted it many times here. For the Word of God is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the piercing of the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. Folks, you can't say that about your favorite author. You can't say that about uh, John Grisham books. You can't say that about uh, uh, your, your, your favorite uh, Louis L'Amour Western. You can't say that about some other great writer. You can't say that about uh, uh, somebody that you, you read, you're, you're following them. Folks, listen, the Word of God, God-breathed, God-empowered, God-inspired, is the only thing that's going to pierce the heart of an individual. Certainly, you may read something that stirs your emotions or gets you excited or even brings a tear to your eye, but there's only one Word that can change and transform you for eternity. That, 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 that you'll never put down if you really put it down in your heart and life. Isaiah 55, 11 says this. He says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing therein it was sent. Folks, I've had so many people on so many occasions make the erroneous statement that they don't follow the Bible because it contains so many contradictions. And they'll say that, you know, I love God, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, but you know what, I don't have to do those things that you're talking about. Because not everything in the Bible is true. And it's unreliable, they'll say, because of the number of conflicting statements. And so, folks, while this is interesting that they would say that, uh, uh, you know, they, they say that there's so many contradictions, but you know what, I've never, ever been able, and I've had that, that conversation with dozens, of, at least, of people over the years that said that they don't follow the Bible or they don't have to believe everything because they don't believe all of it's reliable. I've never had any one of them produce even one solitary contradiction. I've told them, I said, well, maybe we can discuss a few of these contradictions. Maybe you can, we can discuss a few of these perceived errors that you see in the Scripture. Well, you know, I don't know right offhand. I said, for somebody that, that sees so many of them, you can't produce just one. I said, maybe you don't know any. I said, can you give me just an idea of one? They never can. And so really, I just call them the task on it. I said, the only reason you're saying is that because the devil has birthed that erroneous lie into you and given you, uh, you, you thought to yourself somehow that you could uh, get a free pass because you said that the Word of God was not true. And so Paul tells, listen, the, this Jewish audience right here in the, what, the fifth verse, the sixth verse of Romans chapter 8, he tells this Jewish audience that the validity of the Word of God is not dependent upon the invalidity of their adherence to it. And so that's what he's saying right here in verse 6. He's saying, listen, he said, it's not as though the Word of God has been ineffectual. He said, you can look into your lives. You can see how you uh, how this, this hierarchy, literally, of the Sanhedrin has diminished the power of the Word of God and you've, you've brought him to, to a shame because of your rejection. He said, but listen, I want to tell you something that your invalidity or your lack of adherence to what it says does in no way diminish the validity of this or the power of the Scripture. The Word of God is the Word of God and it stands alone, literally, in, throughout the annals of time. And, and so Matthew 24.35 says this. Matthew 24.35. It says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 
So folks, listen, I don't know what you're going through, and really at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because the only thing you're going to be able to stand on is the Word of God. And so that is why it is so important to walk out Second Timothy 2.15 that instructs us, it tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed that's rightly dividing the Word of Truth. We need to stand upon that, that, that commission and that covenant to seek Him, to, to know His Word, to, to, to get into the Word, to, to, to be rightly divided, to show ourselves unapproved in Him. Folks, listen. That's why we spend literally countless hours. What is it, Deb? Today is going to be class 127 hours. Just what you see. You don't see everything else that goes into that. The reason that we're, 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 we spend that and countless hours and just uh, taking the, the time out of the day to, to share the Word with you on a daily basis because there's an hour coming, folks, when that's all that you're going to have. Do you hear me? That's it. That's all that you're going to have is the Word of God. Your, your opinions are going to be worthless. Your, your good intentions are going to be worthless. Your church membership is going to be worthless. Your sunny disposition or your, 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 uh, your friendly face is going to be worthless. Your, your IRAs and your stock options are going to be worthless. Your social security will cease to be uh, social or secure in any way to you. Your, your pension or your retirement, all those things are going to be totally worthless to you. And the only thing that you're able to have is the Word of God. Folks, listen, I consider myself almost like a, an investment banker. You know, my, my, my history or my, my vocation prior to entering the ministry was in the banking industry. And so, you know what? It, it hasn't changed too much. Listen, I sit here every day and I'm coming and I'm, in, I'm giving you investment advice. That's really what I'm doing. And I'm banking on the fact that, that maybe you'll get some of it. That you'll be able to put the Word in, and, and I'm coming to the depository of, of that secure place in your heart that, that God has changed and transformed. And I'm coming and I'm, I'm making these wholesale deposits of something that there's not going to be a market crash, that are not going to be affected by the economy, that are not going to be uh, affected by a recession. But there's going to be this, this uh, not recession, but there's going to be a revival that comes. And so I sit here as a, a Spirit-filled, uh, uh, Holy Ghost-inspired, taught, called-out investment banker for the Kingdom of God, depositing into you something that I know without a shadow of a debt, doubt is going to bring you a a, a, a great return upon your investment. Folks, that's why I say, get into the Word of God. The Word of God will get into you. Invest that time. Invest that passion. Invest that faithfulness and dedication. It'll change the way that you look at everything. It'll, it'll change your perception. And, and most of all, it's going to change your, the response in your life of the things that the adversary sends at you. You'll respond based upon your uh, uh, what's been deposited. Let me give you an example. Say, for instance, you got a bill in the mail today, a tax bill, a tax liability, and that, that, that bill was for $5,000. Let me up it just a little bit. Let's say that bill was $50,000. Because I don't know if there's anybody here that just can write a check for $50,000 today and, and not miss it. If you do, our uh, address is P.O. Box 1897, Daytona Beach, Florida 32115. And you can go ahead and send that and make that payable to Raven Ministries International. We'd love for you to do that. But if you're like uh, uh, I perceive that you probably are, chances are you don't have that. And so if you've got a tax bill that says, listen, you've only got 30 days to pay this $50,000 or you're going to face uh, some criminal charges. Charges. Now listen, uh, if you don't have that in your account, if you pull up your account on your <coughs> your online banking, you see that you only got three dollars and thirty eight cents in there. You know what? Your response to that is going to be shock. It's going to be worry. But what if that you got this bill for fifty thousand dollars for tax liability, but you had a statement over here that says, "Listen, you've got fifty million dollars in your account." You know what you're going to do? You're going to write that check and you're not going to bat an eye because it is, it is nothing in comparison to what you have on deposit. Folks, listen. 
That's what the Word of God is. I can tell if, I, if I'm around you and you're in a circumstance or situation, I can tell how much Word has been deposited upon your life by how you react to certain situations. Period. It is. Your deposit will tell it. it. Basically, what it's like is I'm pulling your financial record. I'm pulling what, what you've invested in your, your study of the Word of God and in your, your, your commitment to standing in Him. It'll tell on you. You can sit here and you can wear your, your, uh, your faux fur and you can wear your uh, costume jewelry. <clears throat> you wear your payless shoes and, and say that you are a, a millionaire. But listen, we come to that, that place. Listen, your, your, the, the, the faux nature of, of your testimony is going to be discovered. By what you have to face and what you're able to withdraw from the Word of God at that particular time. James 5, 1 through 4 says this. He says, Now listen, you rich people. He said, What you need to do is weep and wail. He said, Because of the misery that is coming upon you, your wealth has rotted, and your and moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Excuse me. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Now, I love this next verse. I love this. The cries of the harvesters, though, have reached the ears of the Lord God Almighty. Folks, listen. The day is coming when you will not be able to buy a loaf of bread with a barrel of gold. Do you hear me? And you will have to stand upon the Word of God in that that man cannot literally live by bread alone. Thank you, Deb, for that drink of water. Cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you'll see that in Matthew 4.4 4 and also in, in Luke 4.4. 4. Folks, listen. Your, 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 your annuity, your IRA, they will not carry you through your biggest trouble. What's going to carry you is standing upon the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to become real in you. And so, he said, not as though the Word of God has taken none effect, for thee, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. I was talking to Pastor Don Dykes the other day of Raven Amarillo. I think it was yesterday. And we were speaking just of this topic matter. And, 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 and we've got to get into to the Word of God like never before because really that and only that is going to be our lifeline in these last days. And, and we begin to talk about that those that are not firmly planted upon the Word of God will find themselves wavering and, li- and literally wondering themselves, where is this, this Lord God of Israel? And folks, listen, there may even come a day when you will not have the benefit. This is what we were talking about yesterday. You may not have the benefit of the printed page. I may not be able to sit and read the Scripture to you because our books will be burned, that it will be illegal to hold them, that we'll have to go into hiding. There may come that day. You know what? Because that day has come in many nations of the earth. We think of that thing that because we're the great, grand old U.S. of A, that, 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 that we're, uh, we're uh, immune to those type of things. Folks, listen, that happens every day in other countries. I think it was uh, Brother uh, Rusty was preaching the other day talking about 168,000 People are martyred for the cause of Christ worldwide every single year. And so, folks, listen, there's going to be a day that you will not have the benefit of the printed page and you will only be able to draw from the Word of God that you've hidden in your heart. Think about that for a minute. You'll only be able to withdraw that which you've hidden inside of you. Let me ask you a question today. Are you satisfied with the storehouse of the Word of God that you have on store right now? Or let me ask you this, or do you think that if you just had to survive on what you've got stored up, that within a short amount of time you'd starve to death on the limitation of the Word of God that you have in your heart and life? Folks, listen, there's going to come a day that all that you're going to have is what's hidden in your heart. All that you're going to have is, is when He brings you to that book of remembrance. Think about it. It's not going to be a, a printed page of 66 uh, uh, books of a canon of Scripture that we call the Bible, but it's going to be that book of remembrance that He has written upon your heart. Why? Because you have sought Him. Folks, listen, I want to have more than 
than enough on store. I want to have more than enough to eat of God's Word so that literally I will have enough to share that Word in an hour that the spiritual famine comes upon humanity. And folks, it's coming. I want to have more than enough to draw from. Therefore, with joy shall we draw waters from the wells of salvation. I want to be able to reach down with the joy of the Lord with something that transcends my circumstance and withdraw from that depository in my heart and life the Word of God. Are you there? Are you are, are you your balance in the red today? Are you in that place that listen that you're about to go under? That you're in that you're in that place of what do they call that when they allow you to overdraft protection, folks? Listen, what you're living in right now because you have the Word, you have a print page. Listen, folks, this is just your overdraft protection. This is just what allows you to go when you don't know, when you've not hidden that word in your heart. We've got to come out of the red, so to speak, and move into the black and allow the word of God to be in our hearts and lives. Folks, really, that, that's our heart, it's desire in teaching the word of God to you in this forum. You know what? Our investment is, is not in hoping for some type of financial remuneration. We're not sitting here thinking, well, man, I'm hoping somebody will hear this and, and somebody will send us a fat check. That's not what we're here for whatsoever. What we're here for is because we freely received something so great and so we freely want to give with the hopes of whetting your appetite to to discover literally and begin to devour the word of God on your own as well and so that's what we're here for that's what our desire is is to deposit something to get that word out there to literally all of the nations to allow the the, the free really uh, disposition of the word of God and the dispensing of it into your heart and life so it can change and transform you on a regular basis that's why we disciple people that's why we preach the gospel that's why that's why we're willing to invest because we know that one day the investment of the Word of God is the only thing that you're going to be able to draw from. For they are not all Israel, the next part of that verse says, which are of Israel. Folks, listen, that statement right there. You know, he starts out, he said, listen, but just because you've not adhered to the Word of God does not make it ineffectual. Then he goes on to say, because uh, they, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And so what that does, that, that's a great and a powerful scripture, but it's, it's, a, it's really one that's created some tremendous uh, uh, controversy as well. What it's meant to do is to denounce this whole ideal of national, national salvation, I should say. And so what that is saying is that just because you're a Jew or an Israelite, he said, and then you think somehow that you have a free pass or a guarantee of salvation. Paul the Apostle was saying, listen, not everything that, that not everyone that says that they're Israel or they're that covenant promise of the chosen people are of Israel. In other words, that you can say that you were born a Jew, you can say that you're the tribe of Judah, or the tribe of Benjamin, or, uh, or, or the tribe of, 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 of Reuben, or whoever it may be, but that doesn't give you a free pass into the kingdom. But what happened, folks, is Israel reached a place where they thought just because of who they, they were that their salvation was locked up. They thought that they could just coattail into the kingdom because they were the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. and, and that they. But really, in reality, they could not have been any further from the truth. Now think about this, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. And he says, while he, speaking of Jesus, uh, yet talked to the people, he said, behold his mother, speaking of Mary, and his brother stood outside desiring to speak with him. That he said unto them, he said, behold your mother and your brethren stand uh, without. And they said to him, listen, your mom and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. But he said unto them and told them, he said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples. He said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. And whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Folks, listen. The modern church has, has pretty much adopted that same thing. You know, here we are. Mary, you know what? Blessed lady believed in the, what God had spoke to her. She was the, the one that carried Jesus, his brothers. 
Blessed, obviously, probably devout followers of him. But he wanted to put in, bring that contrast out. He says, listen, just because I was brought up in the familiarity of their house, just because they, they know me in that way, just because they saw me, doesn't mean that they've got a free pass. It means that they've got to call upon me just like everyone else does. And the modern church, though, folks, has really adopted that same erroneous teaching. And in particular, the Catholic Church. You know, the Catholic Church, they'll baptize infants and they're taught that they got this free pass because of their Catholicism rather than because of their relationship with Christ and their adherence to the Word of God. You know, I've witnessed to many people that, that uh, adhere to the Catholic faith, or at least they, they say they adhere to the Catholic faith. But what happens is you say, well, are, are you... Uh, satisfied that if you died you go to heaven yeah because i'm a catholic i've never heard him say yeah because i'm in, i'm devoted to jesus I, I read his word that i'm a follower of him no it's because that I, I i go to mass on a regular basis and because i'm a catholic and because i went through my first and second communion because i've been confirmed because i've done all these these religious things and they they think that they've got a free pass that's exactly what what uh, the 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 israelites began to think Folks, listen, it's, and it's not really uh, relegated to just the, the Catholic Church. You know, people say, well, hey, do you, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you know, I'm a Baptist. I didn't ask if you were a Baptist. Uh, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I got baptized. Well, maybe you just got wet. You didn't get changed and transformed. Why is it that immediately we want to throw out, if we're not genuinely walking with Him, we want to throw out our credentials or our membership card, or we want to show that, that we're associated with something that is perceived as righteous or, or, or probably more so religious. Folks, listen, we don't have a free pass. We've got to come to a place where the Word of God is becoming effectual in our life. And just like He told them, Paul said, listen, just because you say you're, you're, you're of Israel does not really mean that you are. Just because you say that you're going to be a partaker of that covenant that you're not going to be then. So really, this is just a, 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 a arrogant, is really what it is, an arrogant, prideful, entitlement mentality that serves to, 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 to destroy rather than to redeem. And so we've got to come back to that place of preaching the gospel that, that transcends this coattail type of mentality. Well, just because I walked in out, just because I did this you know, years ago, I, I had so much conflict with, with, with family members in the past because you know they would have a son-in-law or somebody in their family that you know they said when they were 13 years old that they remember them at Bible camp and they cried a little bit and they came up and repeated a, a, the, the sinner's prayer. But now they are 55 years old. They're, they're, they're an alcoholic. They're, they're, they're wicked. But you know what? They're entitled. They're going to get into the kingdom because what they did at 13 years old. Folks, do you honestly have the audacity to believe that that's what Jesus died for? That you believe that Jesus died to change and transform us, to deposit righteousness in our life, and we're going to just think that we're going to get some entitlement type of free pass based upon this momentary uh, adherence to a religious principle? Folks, that is a lie derived straight from the pits of hell. That is the wide gate of Matthew chapter 7. Get into the Word and begin to look what the Word says. Most people that, that adhere to that have no idea what the Word of God teaches. They don't even know the Word of God. They just begin to parrot something that they've heard. And it sounds pretty good to them because it, it, it offers so much and requires so little. Now, I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 together. And when he, when he begins to say that, he says, Not as though the Word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. And he says, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac thy seed shall be called. That is, he said, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promises are counted for the seed. And really, folks, what that just those two verses do, they just continue to, to further debunk this whole notion of a national salvation. I say that because even within the ranks of evangelical Christianity, there are some that teach that, you know, listen, there's no need 
to go and to uh, evangelize the Jews because the Jews got a free pass. I know uh, one of the televangelists in particular, and some of you guys may like him, and that's fine. I think he says some good things, but I think he says some things like what I'm fixing to mention that are erroneous. And that's uh, none other than John Hagee, the pastor of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. He, he basically, he's a really a friend to, to Israel, and I believe that we need to be friends to them. But he doesn't preach to them that they need to accept the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he basically believes that they've got somewhat of a free pass. Folks, listen, that, that's going to destine a, a generation of people. Paul the Apostle, look, read the book of Romans, speaking to Jews. And he tells them, listen, unless you're born again, who was Jesus speaking to? Nicodemus, a Jew. Unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's not this free pass. Jesus said he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And those that come to the Father must come through him. There's no free pass. Even the Jews who are going to come back to that place of covenant, the only way they're going to come to that place of covenant is through the Lord. Jesus Christ. We've got to get to that place. And so it debunks that national type of Israel. But what's interesting about that is he said, because your seed is, uh, is not of Abraham, they're all children, but in Isaac shall your seed be called. What he's basically saying is that, uh, that it excludes that Ishmael mentality. That's why he brought up the name Isaac. You know, God gave a promise to Abraham when he called him out of here of the Chaldees. And he said, I'm going to make a people of you. I'm going to make you, your people, the special forces in the kingdom. And so he called them out of that place to that, that place of serving as the, the messenger, literally, of the covenant that would become our, our new covenant, the message of, of the cross that we have today. But, you know, with him, Abraham got in the flesh. And, you know, him and Sarah, they were getting up in age. They said, I know what you called us to. Uh, I know what you said. But he brought, they brought Hagar, the, the concubine, in. And, and he had this child, Ishmael. Okay, we've got this promise. Folks, listen. Ishmael is like you joining a church without knowing Jesus. Ishmael is like you getting baptized without your life being transformed. Ishmael is like you having a, a Christian t-shirt, but you've never hidden the Word of God in your heart. That's what being an Ishmaelite is. It's walking according to something that can be uh, derived strictly from the flesh. Your relationship with Jesus cannot have as its source anything that was derived out of the flesh. That's why I say, listen, you're the... the out of Isaac shall your seed be called. Out of the promise that I gave. Isaac was the, the uh, his source was an impossibility. You know what? It couldn't happen from the, the womb of Sarah because she was barren. And so God, out of the impossibility, brought the, brought the transformation. And folks, listen, that's what our salvation was. In and of ourselves, our own efforts, it was an impossibility. But God, through the impartation of bringing the seed of the Word of God through us, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, through the witness and testimony of, of God's grace and mercy, through the, through the Holy Spirit has implanted in us that seed and given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so what that does is debunk this thing that says, well, you know what, we can do it any way we want to. If we want to walk in the flesh and have an Ishmael-type mentality, we still get the promises. Folks, listen, that, that is erroneous. That is a false teaching. That is destructive. And that only leads one place, and that's death, hell, and destruction. You know that the children of the promise are counted for the seed. We've got to come back to that place of walking in the Spirit. And so that's really kind of to, to sum up those, those three verses we looked at today. He said, listen, the word is not effectual just because you're ineffective in it. But you've got to learn to begin to deposit, literally, to, to cause the investment to come into your life of the word of God, to know it and to be able to stand upon it. That way you can be able to give an answer to any man at any time that would ask uh, for that, that, that reason of that hope of glory. You've got to allow that to come in because there's not a free pass by joining a church. And, and you're not just going to get this uh, this uh, this 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 free pass into the kingdom by saying, well, listen, my dad was a preacher. My, my cousin was a pastor. Listen, I showed up at this certain conference. Folks, listen, the hour is coming when we have got to allow the investment of the Word of God to come into us and to be real and to be genuine and to empower us to be 
really more than just hearers, but doers of the word. Folks, listen, you know what? There's a lot that's coming into this and it's going to continue. And I believe as we look at the example of what happened with Israel and they're backing off of that, that covenant relationship into more of a, a, an entitlement relationship, we've seen the same thing happen within the church in the last 2,000 years. But just as there's been that relentless pursuit of the Spirit of God upon Israel, I believe we've seen that relentless response of the Holy Spirit upon us as well, bringing us to that place. So folks, listen, we are totally out of time here today and but we'll be back here tomorrow at, at uh, the same time nine o'clock eastern time for a study in the word of god but i got one bit of advice for you this morning as we go get into god's word and god's word will get into you